In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. Hi, this is Greg Berg, the voice of animated Muppet Baby Fozzie Bear, and you're listening to Moose. And look, here's Fozzie now. Hey, 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 what do you get from a guy with too much time on his hands? Bull spit with moose. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> hey, Paul, look over there at the size of that moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bull spit. <laughs> Pack to an all new episode of Bullspit with Moose. I'm your host, Moose. You know, here at Bullspit, we like to make our dreams come true, and we hope we can do the same for you. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the show, voice of the animated baby Fozzie Bear, and many other great voices, Mr. Greg Berg. Well, hello there. Hey, Greg, how's it going? Better and better. And how are you? I'm doing great. Good to hear. So, Fozzie Bear, the, the iconic unslinging. <laughs> joke-telling bear or bad joke-telling bear with me all the time him and scooter but uh uh, scooter just wrote fozzy a a joke here that he wants to give you so come here fozzy hello it's me fozzy bear waka waka hey i got uh one uh that i want to try on you ready what do you call Facial hair on a moose. I don't know what. A moustache. <laughs> waka waka. I like that one. It is a good oh, one. Oh, it's all in me. It's all in me, the ham. <laughs> Way to ham it up. So are you enjoying uh, the uh, solitude at the moment? I mean, you have plenty of voices to keep you sane. Well, that that's uh, fun to uh, live in a world of doing voices compared to having to have a live audience and do maybe stand-up comedy or uh, theater, film, where you have to have a whole crew there, you know, lighting people and the uh, talent. With this uh, epidemic, uh, pandemic going on, I have all these voices in my head that I sometimes play with and say, hey, what, what if I did this voice doing this voice? Or also coming up with new voices. My background has been in comedy character acting. And then it moved into dropping on a TV show every once in a while uh, to do a, a small, serious role. And then uh, got into voiceovers and animation. There's a lot for me to play with. And my mind is constantly running and trying to think of uh, another step to take ahead. And uh, that's what I do in this business. <laughs> I saw in an interview that by the sounds of it, you were you were kind of destined to end up playing Fozzie because you were kind of that goofball kid growing up. I think it was one of those things to, well, I was, grew up uh, going to school mostly in Cleveland, Ohio and Akron, Ohio. And figure it's a, a industrial kind of place to be in. Uh, a lot of sport brand and I'm, I totally don't have the sports gene in me, so I had to find ways to keep myself uh, sane (laughs) or going nutty, doing funny stuff. So uh, I even remember looking at an old third grade report card that where the teacher writes a remark about how the student is doing. And I've kept the one that I had and I I still have it. It says... uh, that uh, Greg is constantly making faces and annoying the kids around him. (laughs) So I think that was like a Jerry Lewis phase I was going through because I used to watch Jerry Lewis movies and he'd make funny faces and then uh, as things happened to him. So that's kind of how I started (laughs) more or less the most that I can remember doing. Well, I knew what I wanted to do uh, uh, in general, and so I had to keep honing it down. Uh, When I left Akron, Ohio, uh, uh, I was just 20 still, and I 
uh, moved to LA and I said, that's going to be my playground. Wherever I'm going to go, uh, I, I want to hit the right places uh, without wasting time. That's why I did move to LA. I could have gone to New York, uh, but I heard that was more of a theater town and uh, it's a good place to get your training and everything. But I wanted to do more TV film work. Came to LA and started following the signs as to where to go for acting workshops, for comedy, uh, for TV and film. That's what I wanted to do because there were plenty of workshops out there for serious acting and, and there are schools to go to as well. Uh, but I had no idea who were the top teachers and all that. So I just looked around and asked a lot of questions. And somebody says, oh, this guy is a big name in town for teaching TV film comedy. So I took his class. His name was Harvey Lenbeck. He helped train John Ritter, uh, Robin Williams, a lot of the people on the Happy Day show. And I said, that's where I want to get my uh, training from. So I did that. And it was kind of interesting because about two years into it, right when I was ready to start knocking on all the doors for sitcoms, uh, the shows that I was, was like, there was Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy. Uh, and uh, those were the shows I, I could do some of these characters that I really was doing in his workshop. And uh I found out later that they were all canceled maybe the same year all at once. <laughs> and then they brought in more comedies still, but they were more like Cheers and Murphy Brown. And it was based on the writing and uh, the performers were actors that said the funny lines instead of being funny and, and adding to the show. So um, that's where that road took me and then i said well now that those sitcoms with outrageous characters were like even variety shows were going downhill at that time uh sunny and sherry used to have a, a great group of uh variety people that uh, variety comics that would interact with them throughout their show or the hudson brothers or there's a number of variety shows back then but they were going out of style as well or having fewer listeners and watchers and uh, so I figured, what can I do with this character work I do? And somebody suggested to me, take those characters and do them for commercials and maybe animation. They like broad characters, which uh, I went to work at to figure out how to do that as well. And at that time, there weren't very many young people doing voice characters for cartoons. They usually went to their reliable character uh, actors from the 40s, 50s who were on radio shows, because in some cases, cartoons are like old time radio shows. You, know, you could be in another room and listen to them and not have to see what they're doing. But uh, if they did throw in a visual uh, situation, then yeah, they uh, had to make it broad and funny and keep the show rolling. So I went to voice workshops and i was fortunate to find the guy who did the voices of all the <laughs> shows i watched from hanna-barbera growing up his name was dawes butler he was the voice of yogi bear huckleberry hound and uh snagglepuss the whole group that more or less built the hanna-barbera tune industry so i said that's the guy I want to learn from. I've learned from uh, a, a female coach as well named Joni Gerber. And she was on another top show that I grew up watching was H.R. Puffinstuff. And she was the female voices on that show. And that was a show that really sparked my interest to want to do what I'm doing, talking puppets and whatever they had within the uh, show itself. So as time went on, all kinds of good things started clicking. So I felt everything was right there i was doing uh, character work on cartoons of course of that story i just learned something very interesting about myself my brain works in a very funny way i just animated your life story in my brain oh my <laughs> maybe I, I did leave out a lot of <laughs> side roads in there but uh, 
I just pictured this 20-something-year-old guy packing up and leaving Ohio, and he gets out to L.A. There's signs everywhere, you know, comedy this way, acting yes. this way, and, you know, just the traditional, like, animation tropes of all that. You find the road you want to take, and you hit that, doing your training, and you get the you get the little training montage, and then you mm-hmm. come out all confident. Then you go to try out for the shows, and each one has the closed sign in the window, and you get the womp <laughs> womp. And then the bulb comes out over your head. Okay, I'll try this. And you move on to the next thing. It's like, wow, I think in animation. <laughs> I don't think well, in normal it, pictures. Well, it led me, <laughs> yeah, it led me to animation because, well, I, I, I uh, had watched one of the first shows I ever remember watching that wasn't on a network uh, channel, like for cartoons and all that, was The Electric Company. And that was coming out of New York. And I once contacted them. It was uh, an educational PBS channel show. And I contacted them to say, oh, how can I do uh, something like that? And they said, well, you have to audition when we're looking. And the whole backside of the business uh, instructions uh, being told to me uh, by the people who made the decision. So I said, okay, I was putting little things in my mind to say, okay, once I get out of school, uh, I could either stay in town in Ohio and studied their way of acting or go to the source that so this was all whatever we're talking about now is just the the little drops that led to how things started for me the little ripples in the water it's just been a terrific uh uh, run if it stopped altogether as they say right now i i would be living off of all the happiness that i've had uh, all these years i've been doing it over 30 years now and Every time I get anything, I put just as much energy into it and love it just as much as what I did when I first started. I'm a little more hipper to how to uh, add, you know, little tweaks here and there to make things uh, more interesting. And uh, and that's what they look for when they do their casting for these shows. A little bit ago, you mentioned Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Who else did you have as far as uh, inspiration goes? Well, uh, I believe... It was from watching, uh, well, watching Jerry Lewis in a movie. I'd say, oh, that guy's funny, and and I guess weigh the different characters in there. And he was the star of Features, and so you kind of latch on and say, I want to do kind of stuff. He does silly stuff, but you know, he had a whole career way before that, and uh, he was a masterclass in comedy himself. Oh, when when he did the stage work with Dean Martin, they used to do three, four hours. I I think they said six to eight hour shows on stage sometimes. But you know, times were changing, so some people didn't have to do that. But it helped to have some kind of lengthy training. He was just a spark to what I did. Uh, then watching TV shows, that's kind of what inspired me to say, I want to go into that business and, and do that type of work. So uh, one of my top other inspirational shows was H.R. Puffin stuff. So I left in the late 70s and times were changing as well in Hollywood. So uh, I arrived and worked with whatever I could at the time. I, I also began performing at the world-famous comedy comedy store in Hollywood, California, but uh, was made an MC for the comedy store in Westwood, California, which has since closed. And I got to meet Mitzi Shore, who was terrific uh, spotting talent, nurturing talent. That was the place to be at that time, because even that changed years later. So it was just getting on the right train at the right time. I want to address something that I found in like every version of your bio, and only because it doesn't go into details. Every bio of yours I found, there's one blurb. It says, you are a voice match for certain male Hollywood actors, but it never uh-huh. says who the male Hollywood actors are. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another portion of doing voiceovers. Uh, some people can do it, some can't. I kind of had the knack for hearing a voice. Now, that's something that started when I was a uh, uh, preteen, where I used to have relatives who had accents and funny speech patterns. Uh, and I started to play around trying to talk like them. I'm saying, why do they talk like that? And I talk like I talk and played around with accents saying they have a, a more of an Ohio accent. And I was actually born originally in Brooklyn, New York. So 
you don't hear a New York accent from me <laughs> right now. At that point, you have to expect the Tony Danza. <laughs> no, well, well, Tony, I mean, okay, I, I started making a list of people I thought I can sound like, but here I was in my 20s learning uh, how to play with my voice, doing characters or similar characters. And in some cases, my similar characters of well-known celebrities actually did sound like the people that they needed a voice for. Uh, and when we talk about doing voice matching, it, it involves uh, movies that needed their main celebrity or another star that was in the movie to come back and re-record a line maybe because a plane was going over while they were filming or a noise was heard or something faded out while they were talking and they're not going to pay the guy his big salary to come back just to do one or two lines or so or a scene or redo the scene unless it's uh, highly necessary so they would hire somebody like me or they had heard that I can sound like various people. Well, uh, right now I have a list of over 100 sound-alikes that I can do. Sometimes there might be an old movie that they're trying to reconstruct and need the voice of somebody from the old days to, uh, they're gone now and passed away and he's trying to save the film and they would find somebody like me to come in and do their voices i started making a list and plus when i was working at the comedy store i used to interact and throw in a, a celebrity voice as well because that's comedy and you know rich little was another inspiration and he's living off of doing impressions of people but he did the looks and the uh, facial expressions and all that well some of that comes into play but when you're doing it to recreate a voice from a movie they just want to make sure you have the voice and the acting behind it and then if you do it well enough you get the part so one of my first voice matches was for john travolta who was in a movie called chains of gold in one of his early movies and they needed him talking on a telephone because they couldn't hear what he originally said. So they did a search. So and I went in because they heard of my ability to, my way of sounding like him. It's almost like people who do Sylvester Stallone, they're all doing Rocky's voice. But what about his natural voice or whatever the character was he's doing in another movie? So that's what happened with John Travolta. He wasn't being. Uh, uh, like from Greece, or he wasn't being from Welcome Back, Hotter. He was being this character talking on the phone, trying to get something together. So they said, let's hear, here's John talking, now you talk. So I heard John, and then I said, uh, hi, this is, uh, you know, I'm on the phone right now. I'm really busy, but I need to talk to you for a second. So give me a call at this number when you get this message. <laughs> and it matched for whatever it was the line was that they needed be done but that's how I, I would do that so i i've gotten a number of jobs doing that and i'm also prepared for when somebody needs one of the voices that i can do so that was one of the celebrities i do uh, another celebrity i did was for the tv show night court they did a flashback episode where the cast uh, one of the cast members was recalling when he was in Vietnam in the audience watching a Bob Hope show and uh, all you would see on the episode is a, a curtain because something's going on behind the curtain but you're hearing Bob Hope apparently on stage well Bob Hope at that time was probably in his 70s 80s and uh, he wouldn't sound like he did back in the 60s and I was still a young performer and uh, I let somebody hear my rendition of a young Bob Hope they hired me for the TV show Night Court to sound like Bob Hope was on stage. And he even had to approve the joke that they were going to have him, the, whoever's voice saying it. So it was a typical Bob Hope joke, but you would hear me on stage uh, basically talking to the crowd of soldiers watching the Bob Hope show back in Vietnam. And I would say, hey, I want to tell you, it was so hot out there, the chickens are laying fried eggs. <laughs> and then... Uh, and they said, yeah, that's, uh, you know, 
Bob from the 60s or whatever. That's uh, another voice I did for some show. There's been other... I know you did Gilligan for a show. That was on the uh, TV show Sliders, which is a surreal kind of show. Uh, it's probably still in reruns now, but... Uh, yeah, they, uh, in this particular episode of Sliders, is uh, all mystery and uh, uh, supernatural things going on. And within this particular part of the show, somebody's listening to Gilligan's Island. But in this world of Sliders, um, Gilligan was running the island. The professor was not a professor. And one of the other characters would be the smart one and the skipper was Gilligan's sidekick so they said okay uh, you're not really going to hear it in the show uh, as a, a major voice but they just want to give that an insight that somebody's watching Gilligan's Island and that's what's going on on the show where Gilligan's in charge so whatever they, they just needed the voice and uh, I went in there and said well I think Gilligan talks like this he says hey skipper Come on, I'm in charge here now. Get get with it, or whatever the lines were that was going on. Because there's also another dialogue going on between the stars of the uh, actual action going on in the show. But we were in the background, and it sounded like they were watching Gilligan's Island, and that Gilligan was in charge. So that was another obscure voice I did. I'm also known for doing some obscure voices of, of people that. Uh, aren't just, you know, you hear all these people that can do Stallone, as I say, or they're always doing uh, Donald Trump's voice or the politicians. But I have a weird thing in me that picks up on uh, certain voices that nobody would figure, nobody can talk like that. And yet, uh, once when somebody picks up on doing the voice, <laughs> then uh, other people already jump on the wagon and try imitating them like Austin Powers and things like that. So uh, that's part of that creativity I talk about, keeping one step ahead of the normal crowd uh, out there. So you might have everybody now doing Donald Trump and all these uh, characters and mainstream TV, but I do have a knack for being able to pick up other people's voices. And if somebody's looking, that's what I do. Or you could do it for a parody on a commercial, you know, but they do have to now say, uh, celebrity voice impersonated or something before it all starts. But that's the fun part because then they might have somebody, uh, like I could be like Ray Romano and going uh, selling tires. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is Ray Romano and you have to uh, buy some tires for your car, right? Right? Yeah, that happens. And uh, so uh, go see such and such tires. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that kind of started happening to me in my teens when I was able to pick up different voices and people uh, that I was growing up with uh, had me call friends of theirs to act like they knew certain celebrities. And after a while, people really thought they, they were the real celebrities calling them. And that's when I had to become more of a professional and say, I don't do that <laughs> because it's illegal. And people really think it is the person I'm calling as. This is, you know, here we are talking about just what I do for voices. And if this is interesting to people, good. Well, it's definitely interesting to me. I mean, because I, I don't normally do this, but I want to put you on the spot now. Top five celebrity voices that you can uh, impersonate. Oh, top in your, five. In, in, uh, in your opinion. Uh, top five. John Travolta, Gabe Kaplan. Well, these are from shows that I watched, and I so I love the show so much, I started to imitate them. So John Travolta from Welcome Back, Cotter. Gabe Kaplan from Welcome, Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> uh, Ray Romano. Uh, Billy Crystal. Emo Phillips, see another off the wall guy. And uh, not too long ago, I came up with a, a new one that I've been testing on people, and they say it's uh, uh, pretty much of a match is uh, Penn Gillette <laughs> from Penn and Teller. You do Penn, I'll do Teller. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Basically, we know the watch was up your sleeve, but how did you do it wearing a short sleeve shirt? <laughs> you know, kind of response that i can impersonate teller to a t see there you go i i, I felt that energy there so <laughs> i was just able to do do the act right there i noticed in your credits list you had kind of a run 
as robots for a while. Yeah, you never know. There are some voice people that, or people out there that are listening about wanting to get into voiceovers or doing silly voices. There are some people out there that do nothing but animals for some of these uh, nature movies and in case there's an animal within a show and they made quite a well living off of it or they can do uh, ghouls and ghosts and evil spirits and that kind of thing. I I have also had my hand in a few different things. I've done robot voices. Uh, I was uh, on a show, which is a game show called Pick Your Brain with Mark Summers, who used to be on Double Dare. And he did a show called Pick Your Brain. And there was a giant robot on there with a video camera or video screen in his stomach. And I was the voice that would more or less introduce questions that would appear on that video screen. So that was based on an actual robot toy that was out called 2XL. And it was a very popular toy for Christmas and educational. And so they, they figured, let's make a TV show using, a game show actually, using that robot. And as it was presented to me, I guess the creator was on the east coast i was on the west coast shows were going to be done in the west coast so they needed somebody here or wanted it here if anybody could even come close to the actual voice of the toy robot and so i did my fun play with the voice thing and they chose me to fill in as the voice for the tv version of 2xl then other shows that needed robots they said well greg did 2xl maybe he could uh, be a robot voice for another show that has robots in it and that was probably a pitch to them and so there was a an episode on who's the boss and it was a christmas episode and at the very end of the show tony dan's is turning all the lights off in the house and uh, he said something about merry christmas and and walked away and then the robot that was in the scene underneath the christmas tree came to life and my line was like a uh, typical Christmas line about uh, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> and uh, the show was over with. So, yeah, I was the voice in that particular episode. And when it ever comes on again, you can say that you heard me uh, do it. <laughs> so seasons one and two are streaming on Amazon right now. So I'm hoping to get oh, the well. rest of them on there. Ah. You are the Larry Fine robot in uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Well, well, there are many different, uh, yeah, uh uh, ways they can use these type of characters that I do. So it's up to me to hopefully get word out there because some people uh, who have heard my work heard me doing some announcing on commercials, uh, some national commercials. I was always the uh, I was the voice of the honey drop uh, on the Golden Graham cereal commercial through the 80s, uh, early 80s. And that's on YouTube. I know that. So just like the honey bee for Cheerios, but he didn't last as long. And uh, so they said, what would this honey drop sound like if it could talk? Because they used to have it and it would like float through the air and go to different scenes throughout the commercial. So I said, well, the honey drop will be uh, gold and uh, there he is, bright and sunshiny with a big smile. And it was close to my uh, character voices that I do uh, without sounding too much like a cartoon. And so there they went and uh, animated it to talk and make the mouth move. And I was its voice. And my lines were uh, things like, uh, part of this good, nutritious breakfast <laughs> made to stay crispy and crunchy in milk. Because some people got me confused with the honey bee. I said, no, there's a honey drop, actually. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, doing, I guess here we are talking about me and and how I do voices. But hopefully I'm encouraging other people, or inspiring other people to try it. And if that's what they wanted to do or hear about what it's like doing voices. I'm just answering your questions, hopefully. <laughs> you were also, as I was digging in for the research, as we've established, you were you know, in one of my favorite TV shows, which we'll get to. But you were also in a very popular PC game that I played, and many people played, uh, EverQuest 2. Oh, sure. Yeah, I remember... Uh, I say, what was working on that like? Uh, that, I actually wound up doing 22 different characters within the game. And most of them They're had... pretty generic. <laughs> Pardon? 
I said, yeah, they were pretty generic. I'm looking well, at the there list. Is, there's... Generic orc, generic ogre, generic male troll. <laughs> yeah, well, they still needed them to talk. So they said, now you'll be doing this voice, but can you give us a, another one to add to it uh, who confronts the other one? Because when I was doing a few of the shows that I've done, when you do animation shows, they can use you to do up to three voices at one rate so they don't have to hire three separate people so people like me are well welcomed here uh and then there are those people that just have the one voice like the uh, great lorenzo music who did garfield's voice and that was his only voice yet that carried him through his voice career so with me they uh, established that that i can do very well multiple voices and that's what they needed as uh, animation developed. And so that's how that took off. Uh, being able to do multiple voices, they say, where else can Greg do a voice? So we branched out doing video games. Not, not too many, but I'm still available to do some of the newer ones that are coming up because uh, at one point it wasn't just needing a cartoon voice or uh, a character voice they wanted somebody these days now uh, many of the video games are done with people just talking <laughs> in their own voice and they're hired based on that so people getting into voices these days are uh, wanting to know how to do it uh, they don't have to really twist their voices uh, many different ways like i have it helps but uh these days the calls for some of the voices are we want a natural voice an interesting natural voice and uh if you just have one voice you might hit somewhere you might be the the king of the whole realm compared to being the uh, servants and uh and the by bypassers which one gives you a little bit more uh free reign uh animation or uh, video games as far as like ad-libbing and stuff like that goes when you're doing the voices uh i i was the type that like when i did a, a, a animated show i know they i hear people say they love it when you can uh just go off on a tangent and be good at it uh, just like what robin williams did with uh aladdin uh but that was his style. In my case, I, when I first started, I was trying to play by the rules and say, you wanted me to say this, so I said that. <laughs> but if they say you can play with it, well, you know, there's uh, one character I did uh, called Dr. Strange Pork, <laughs> uh, who was on a spaceship. And he was taking the other characters around on a tour so i got to say oh would you look at this oh look at this oh over here too come on step this way come on and that wasn't in in the script but uh they kept it and it worked i know they say oh we like people who can ad lib and and pump this up i'm like well i hope you had a good writer to put in what he thought was good and and not let anybody mess with it but they do go on in there if you're on a roll with a good ad lib and it fits uh, they like that too uh, some people go oh i'm not funny i just read and all that well maybe something will hit you while you're reading and they'll let you put it in there i can't be funny on the fly but i can read and make it funny mm -hmm. that happens and sometimes i can do that too it was just from all the comedy that i've been around uh i'm not saying i'm a comedy writer uh, as a career but there have been times when i said hey, maybe if he said this and not this way because sometimes you get used to a character and and kind of start feeling how the character would be talking since you seem to have a better memory than everybody that puts imdb together do you remember what voices you did on garfield and friends on garfield and friends i met the writer who had seen me in a play and he knew i did multiple voices and comedy and uh, not just uh, uh trying trying out things uh so he got the idea in one episode to make me a mechanical refrigerator that goes crazy so instead of it being like an alexa saying you know today we have cucumbers and uh beans and all that inside you know when garfield was trying to see what's in the refrigerator it turned into this uh 
refrigerator on wheels with maybe a little light on the top of it. I remember that episode. And uh, basically, I was spitting out voices of, uh, I, I was doing Sam Kinison's voice and uh, just going crazy because the refrigerator malfunctions and uh, starts chasing Garfield around the house and all that. So I was doing uh, whatever voices uh, that we we worked into the scene. So I was doing Sam Kinison's voice. Well, it's basically uh, everybody uh, who knows who Sam is knows that he screams a lot. Ah! And so he was screaming at Garfield while he was chasing him. Or else then I'd uh, do Bobcat Goldthwait, who was another screamer. And I was like, uh, isn't it funny how this refrigerator just won't stop when you want it to? <laughs> and uh, then I threw in uh, even David Brenner, which is a voice from an obscure voice from the 70s and 80s. Uh, comedian David Brenner. And, and David Brenner talked like this and said, uh, hey, uh, isn't it funny how... Uh, you open up a refrigerator and there's food in it. <laughs> so it's just all kinds of uh, uh, non sequitur lines that would come out of this thing. And so, you know, I got to do some of my impressions uh, within the cartoon. And hopefully people said, hmm, let's uh, find out who that was. Well, I don't know if it worked then, but it worked now. <laughs> and well it could also just be characters because for people who don't know who they are they'd say well none of them sound the same and they uh, uh then that's what you do when you do voices i don't think i ever i missed an episode of garfield and friends i think it did three or four of them maybe five or six i can't even remember but the people who run the show keep track of who did what when but uh if they ever needed something else too that that's how i work as a voice person somebody might be interested saying we'd like so uh, this celebrity or a celebrity sound alike to do our commercials for us or be the voice of this talking teddy bear or whatever it is and they don't want to get the original person but if they turn it into a character maybe somebody like me would uh, be considered to uh, come in and you know, because they've had many different people in the Batman roles on uh, animation, right? the superhero kind of things. And so, you know, if they want somebody to kind of sound like somebody, I can adjust my voice that way. Or if you want a dead-on voice, if it's on my list, uh, that's what I give them. But this is, all, all this talk is head talk to me of how I operate, but uh, I, I don't want to put your, your listeners to to sleep i hope i'm intriguing them with well see you segue perfectly for me because i was gonna bring up in 91 you had some uh pretty big cowboy boots to fill in uh yo yogi oh yes yo yogi uh, yeah and, and you played the very iconic huckleberry hound did you have any uh like trepidation going into that role or did you just go into it with okay i know how you know he sounds and with what appears to be a very trained ear for sound you were able to pick it up very quickly well for for yo yogi uh anybody that uh, it was only out for about a year my character was supposed to be a young version of uh, Huckleberry Hound and some of the other characters I tried out for were young versions of the classic Hanna-Barbera characters. Kind of like uh, it was all again, once again, with timing, because just like with the Muppet Babies, uh, they were the young version of the Muppets uh, based on Muppets Take Manhattan movie. And uh, so then Hanna-Barbera thought, let's make a young version of our characters, as well as at the same time, uh, Disney, I think, had Disney Kids, and then Warner Brothers had Warner Brother, whatever, the kid versions of their characters. So that seemed to be the trend there. So I was in the right place, right time. Uh, they didn't want him to be old. And I was just, when I heard of the show coming out, I said, since I studied with the original guy and knew how... He loved his characters and hearing other people who loved the characters as well. I was hoping whoever gets it would have been one of his students uh, that knows the characters inside and out. Well, I was one of his students for about two years, studied with him. And the guy that uh, got the voice for Yogi Bear, I was also up for Yogi Bear's voice when Dawes Butler died. And uh, the guy that got it, 
a great guy named Greg Burson, who did uh, Yogi's Voice after Dawes passed on, had studied with Dawes about 23 years. So I said, I'm glad I went to him and somebody else uh, for the other characters. Well, the other main character was uh, young Huckleberry Hound. And they never used the older version of Huck for anything. So now that they brought out young Huck, they needed somebody who knew the character. Hopefully sounded like the character, but I, I told them I sent, could do my version. And then if it's written well, or I can tweak here and there, uh, I hope I can get it as well. But I'm, I'm not there to tell them who to pick. But I had a big uh, hope for them to at least hear what I could do as Huck. So I was basically like a teenage Huckleberry Hound. And uh, the older I got, I guess I could sound like Huck now. And uh, basically he was laid back hound dog. And uh, so yeah, I did get that uh, role for young Huck. And uh, that was a nice feather in my hat and thankful <laughs> feather. Uh, being honored to be able to fill those shoes. So you basically just had to sound like uh, Andy Griffith and be able to sing uh, Oh My Darling. Well, people thought that he was based on that, but uh, uh, that character, he was supposed to be North Carolinian, but uh, Dawes always explained that he based Huckleberry Hound on a, a guy that uh, used to live in North Carolina that they knew, would sit on the porch and just Kind of like, just talk to you. Hey, how you doing today? Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, I'm doing nothing but chasing flies, but uh, they're getting away from me. And, and so he based his character on that. Sure, you know, other people will say, oh, he's doing Andy Griffith. But Andy Griffith was doing North Carolina action yeah. as well. But uh, that's really the story behind Huckleberry Hound. See, and I never knew that. That's what he says anyway. Learn something new every day. There's uh, another voice match that you did that I'm really interested to hear the story behind. Another show that I watched uh, religiously growing up was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, sure. And that was, yeah, that was uh, still back in the mm, probably late 80s so early late 90s, 80s to 91 yeah and you filled in a few episodes for uh barry gordon barry gordon was uh doing the voice of donatello the original ninja turtle for good 99 percent of the show at one point the story on that is and for people that always wondered why they start bringing in people to do voices of uh the already established characters. Uh, I can tell you in my case, it was because Barry Gordon uh, had been elected president of the Screen Actors Guild, and occasionally they needed him to go to an important meeting or a liaison somewhere and give some talks and do whatever presidents of guilds do, have unions. And uh, so as they were recording the Ninja Turtles, they probably did about 200 episodes or more. And uh, at that point in time, they were doing them each week, every other week. And Barry couldn't make certain sessions because he was out of town or in a meeting. So they needed somebody to sound like him. Now, it wasn't like uh, a call going out saying, uh, anybody know how, how to do Barry Gordon's voice? It was just, here's Donatello's voice, try to match it. And I wound up getting it. And while I was uh, being assigned Donatello, they said, by the way, he also did Bebop. Again, I was a multi-voice talent. So I played with the voice and says, yeah, I guess Bebop is the villain and he's more like this and get titles and things like that in New York. And again, going back to my training and where I, my accents, uh, I'm from New York, so I knew what he's doing. I believe Barry was born in New York too, uh, maybe Brooklyn like I was. <laughs> And uh, but so doing Barry's voice, Barry was more uh, that New Yorky or kind of like, uh, yeah, very inquisitive and all that. And doing Donatello, he, he put a little more into that, but a little more like Woody Allen saying, what well, guys, I just found a way we can get out of this, you know. And so I, I uh, added the color to it as well. It passed for <laughs> Donatello at the time. Uh, since then, maybe five other people have done that or even with the movies even more then there's even groups that are trying to say well we like the original donatello other people said we like the celebrity who did it donatello and i'm somewhere in the middle so 
luckily they didn't hate me altogether. But I did what I could at the time. I was probably in my 30s. And so I was still learning the business and uh, did my best way I could. Now, people that probably don't know this that were involved in the casting, uh, Barry Gordon was the voice of the Nestle Quick Bunny probably during the 80s. And uh, one time when they were also looking for a either a replacement for him. I was called in <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't want to take the job away from him, but they wanted just to hear my version of it. So at that time, people were thinking I sounded like him, I guess. <laughs> so then when they needed a Barry Gordon voice for Ninja Turtles, I said, well, I guess they thought I sounded like him uh, for the commercials. And so I'll, I'll try to talk like him for the turtle but it's a wonderful show uh, still <laughs> the franchise is going strong and all that uh, they didn't need another <laughs> uh, situation to bring me in and so so you were the Barry Gordon understudy he's he's yeah more or less yeah um, I was just very honored to be part of it Zombilly hi this is Donatello saying hi to Zombilly sorry he couldn't be here and uh, I'm not gonna be here much longer cuz we're busy trying to catch Crane so thanks for watching and remember, turtle power! Awesome. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, it's amazing. Just any of these characters I do, it's uh, fun to see the reaction of people because, uh, as I said, I once did that voice for the honey drop on a com that Golden Graham cereal commercial, and it ran quite a bit. And uh, I was visiting a friend of mine's uh, family who had some small kids visiting, and they told the kids Greg does voices for a living and and you might have heard him in cartoons but you also remember him from the commercial and then I did the voice of the honey drop from the commercial and they were looking all over the house thinking it was <laughs> bouncing around somewhere or whatever because they couldn't believe it was coming out of my mouth but they I knew they heard it hundreds of times because it was running quite a bit back then but it was fun to see the reaction again they're like no that's Greg talking like that. Now these days, uh, everybody can do uh, voiceovers, more or less. Uh, I think they can. Well, let's tear into it, shall we? The show that I still have my baby blanket from, mm. uh, Muppet Babies. My mom uh, made me a Muppet Babies quilt to come home from the hospital in. Oh, that's sweet. And then years later, when I married my wife, one of her mom's friends had made... Uh, her one at the same time almost identical to it must have been a pattern out there <laughs> I was like holy crap you know what are the odds at the time I was I was born in Kansas she was born in Nebraska so it's not like it was same city or anything so two mm. separate cities that almost identical blankets are made within six months apart now, I know they had pampers with uh, or if it was pampers with the babies on there too which was pretty interesting I'm seeing some of the items that had collectibles from way back then you know, and then you fast forward 20-some years, and we're married, and our blankets are sitting on the dresser next to each other. Well, for the listeners, I am uh, I was the voice of Muppet Baby Fozzie Bear and Muppet Baby Scooter, which was a challenge. Because, again, uh, being able to do two voices, they had me try for, I guess, a few of them to see just where I would fit. And so I gave them my voice of Fozzie as a baby because... Uh, a lot of people might have known Fozzie as grown up and maybe could have done him. But again, uh, age-wise, I was at a right place, right time, uh, because I squeezed the voice from the back of my throat. And uh, instead of making him big and round like the, the big Fozzie of today, I made him oh, more like this and uh, kind of like uh, very white white eyed and uh, and bushy tailed and uh, very open everything that was uh, creative so that was baby Fozzie's uh, creation based on the Muppet babies that were seen in Muppets Take Manhattan that started it all and then baby scooter the the grown-up scooter I remember watching on the Muppet show and he was more like hey Miss Piggy you got five more minutes I'm the stagehand here and I'm getting everybody together to get back on stage right now you know and uh, so I said well what would he sound like as a baby and I, I again uh, squeezed my throat and did a little cartoony voice that I used to uh, do 
and uh, turned them into Scooter because nobody would really know what a young Scooter would sound like. So, so basically, he was uh, really intelligent and always thought about what he was going to do right before he did it, planned it out. <laughs> so this is baby Scooter. Hey, Fuzzy. Yeah, Scooter. There we are together talking to each other. How in the world does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> And you're just stuck in the middle. Voice magic. I watch it all happen. <laughs> I just let it come to me as it happens. But uh, yeah, so that, that's been more of an idea of my career, of what I do as a voice person. But I do want to uh, say that when I meet some of the fans and either go to a convention or uh, do any kind of speeches, that I, uh, I'm really into transformational uh coaching of people so if anybody ever puts together uh, a seminar anymore uh or a keynote speaker needed uh i enjoy saying okay this is what i did and how i got there but i don't turn it into a whole show and then i did this and i did that i turn it into now what is it you want to do because i love helping you as a person, whoever you are, to get a fix and focus on what you want to do, whether it's you want to do voices as well or anything that you really wanted to do. So I kind of surprise people when I say, okay, you don't have to do voices. What What is your passion? And that's, see, voicing was my passion or being funny uh, on TV or film or whatever I can get. Uh, that's my passion. And uh, a lot of people don't have passions, or they do, but they don't know what it is yet. And uh, I open their eyes to telling them how I did what I did. Now, just take that form and apply it to your own situation. And that's what I love talking about. If uh, I had more time to do like a show for people uh, uh, within the interviews. What led you to wanting to do uh, motivational speaking? Well, there's a big difference. I, I, my whole life turned around when somebody did this for me. They told me, what does you want to do? I told him, he says, good, you're going to do that. And I said, oh, really? Huh? <laughs> and uh, uh, he was more of a motivational person. He was an entertainer as well. So uh, he did magic. And then he also talked magic because I, to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that, right? He says, if you do this, this, and this, there's no reason why you can't do what you want to be doing. And I said, okay, I'll make a bet with you. I can't pay you for you to tell me how to do all that. But if it works, then I'm going to tell other people that. Within a month, I was doing what I wanted to do or what we focused on getting at that time didn't cost me any extra money it didn't cost anything and so he says so remember your promise i said of course and stick with it so that was back in the 80s so as my career went on uh some people became teachers uh, i studied so many books of some of the greatest motivational people and i learned what i would be doing is not motivating because I'm not going to be a motivational speaker because I've learned recently as people start to pick apart what motivational speaking is motivational speaking has a person come up and then he motivates you which means to move so he moves you to say yeah I want to do this and go and, and now I want to do this and now I want to do and start making your list and then he leaves and he gets paid and that was it you don't see him again with me, uh, transformational coaching is somebody wants to uh, pursue a career of some sort or get, in my case, I was like, I don't have a, uh, a couch in my in my apartment. Uh, I'd like a couch, but I don't have the money to do it. Well, within three weeks, I wound up getting some odd job that paid enough to have a couch. Yeah, you know, when I was first starting out and I was like, okay, uh, let's go bigger. And it was like, you now I want to get a TV show. Or, and then it got to, I want a TV show where I am a, uh, a main character and that kind of thing. Well, all that with that technique that I teach now, uh, all that got me every little thing I needed. And now I said, if that happened to me, this has to work for everybody else out there that isn't in such a big 
uh, entertainment industry like this, multi-million dollar, billion dollar uh, industry. So I said, okay, uh, these days, uh, some of the new wave people are coming in, uh, the new generation of voice people doing the younger voices. I'm doing the older ones and all. And uh, uh, so as that's going on, some people, are, uh, some of the older voicers are doing teaching voice acting or the voice over industry or something like that. I said, well, I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a coach. <laughs> and I could either coach voice people that are already working and tell them, hey, why don't you try this? Or what would it sound like if this that they might not have thought of? That's in the voice industry. But I take it further and start with what is it? There's something that everybody wants. And I say, you know, it might take longer for some of them. But I say, I can help you through this transformational coaching to open your eyes to see something else you could be doing that will get you closer to what you want. And it's a three-step program too. I would save people uh, an hour of hearing <laughs> what to do if there's two words that will get you what you want. And that's what I talk about when I say, because that's what I learned as well. So it's not like a course and it's not like, you know, come back next week and do this. I'm, it's all a matter of keeping track of what is it that you want? What do you got to do to get it? And what are you going to do to get it? And if you follow all of just those three steps, you'll get a heck of a lot closer to getting it or you will get it. So, well, all this came too from, you know, my motivational books that I've read. And then I started to hear how... Uh, the motivational speaking, everybody's doing that. You see tons of ads and, hey, you you can be a motivational speaker. Well, I said, no, I want to get people to get what they want, just like I got what I wanted. What brief advice would you give to listeners as far as setting and obtaining goals? What advice? Uh, do they really want it? Is it just a dream or is it? are they really going to do what they need to do it? That's what happened with me. Uh, I said... It, it, when I learned how you got to really focus, I mean, it's like a magnifying glass when you remember, I don't know if you ever did this to ants where you put a magnifying glass to try to burn, burn the ants. <laughs> yeah, with the, well, how, how does that happen? Well, it's because the light gets focused through that magnifying glass onto one specific point and just burns it right, right through it, whatever it is, even if you do it with paper. I'm sorry about ants. But uh, uh, so you have to have that focus. I want to go back on Muppet Babies. Did you guys, was it like group recording or was it just one person in the booth? Did you guys get to read off of each other? Well, for the most part, yeah, because if somebody was out sick for that week or uh, had another show they were working on that was more important than uh, like Barbara Billingsley or she couldn't, she lived by the beach and she it would have taken her a long time to get to the studio when there was a traffic snarl or something like that. Uh, they may bring them in, depending how involved the show was, uh, they'd bring us in all at once, but uh, they can, they had the ability to bring them in for the extra uh, lines here or there if they didn't have many to do or something like that. So, yeah, uh, that was basically the way old time cartoons had been recorded. Um, where they bring in the whole cast, having a good time together. <laughs> and we always look forward to being there. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on right now? Well, at this point, uh, I, I have or been... Or hope uh, to be working on shortly. Right. No, I, I've been on a few auditions. Uh, I sent in some auditions for some projects, but some uh, are actually in the works, not that uh, for the anything that I got picked for, but there are some things hanging out there. I don't know how long it's going to be before they decide who they're going to pick because now everybody's at home and uh, they, they send in their material and might be a bigger uh, submission list now these days. But I am getting word out there. I mean, I, I started to touch on it uh, earlier where some people thought, oh, I, I do these nice commercial reads nice characters for a commercial but then in some cases i've done the video games and the animation and when people heard me doing animation they said oh you do a lot of voices and i said to them 
well, what did you think? Didn't you hear about me somehow? And they said, oh, we thought you were, you know, that commercial guy that did all the commercials. And then sometimes when I get a commercial and I throw out a voice, uh, um, one time I did a Netflix commercial and we were playing a uh, father and, oh no, a father-in-law and a son-in-law watching Netflix together. And the father was really gruff and the guy that played him uh, was more like, so what are we going to do now? And and then I did a kind of a spacey Tommy Chong voice and uh, it, it worked enough for them to say, hey, uh, uh, we're going to use you as the voice in this commercial. Well, to them, they, they thought, you know, let's bring in commercial voice people and they didn't know I could do <laughs> other character types that would fit in that situation. So I was basically like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sitting here watching TV, but when I'm not watching TV, I'm on the beach collecting rocks. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and then the father was inquiring to him, you know, what's, what are you going to be like with my daughter and all that, but then they find out that they both liked watching Netflix and all that. So, yeah, so that's what I'm playing with here. Um, I have a video game that uh, we recorded and they're still in the process of piecing it together because it was a uh, crowdfunding deal. It was supposed to be out this year, but uh, who knows when they can get everything together again. And uh, they want it to be just right before putting it out there. So when it happens, then I can tell everybody else what it's called. <laughs> so in the meantime, I'm not able to disclose it for that reason. But that's but, slight enough to use to keep everyone uh, chomping at the bit. You know, this this kind of work. Uh, somebody might just be starting their career in animation and might say, hey, I wonder if I could get Greg from Muppet Babies to be a voice on this or that. Or as they hear more about me, because I don't have a big... Uh, PR team at this point. I did when I first started, and people would bring me in from things they heard I was uh, working on. Like I, uh, I did Muppet Babies for nine years, I believe, or seven years, and uh, <clears throat> I was also on The Simpsons for six years. And then uh, there was a radio show that went globally with uh, radio host Rick Dees, and uh, he had me on as a character voice so that lasted 20 years of me calling in in the morning and just doing a silly voice for him and uh you know that was my job <laughs> to tell a joke in that silly voice like uh call in like steve martin sometimes <laughs> and say hey uh, make sure you watch the jerk because they got the right person for it me <laughs> and that kind of thing <laughs> Uh, and people were like, was that really Steve and all this? So that's why I had to watch uh, saying, especially here in Hollywood, is it really this? But then when they heard the voices, they were, hey, uh, if we ever need that voice, hopefully they would think of me. So I'm here doing a little PR chatting with you. That's what we're here for is to help get everyone's uh, name out, help share the wealth and share the joys of what shaped our minds and in you know in the case of like Fozzie, our senses of humor and such it's it's our turn to return the favor as it were well it's a lot of fun too because uh everybody has their own group of listeners and uh where can uh fans find you in as far as uh, social media right goes? now i'm currently on facebook under greg berg and then there's a photo of me and the actual Fozzie bear when i was at a uh, celebration for the Muppet Babies. Jim Henson and Frank Oz flew out to Los Angeles and they put on a little show for us and hosted a party and brought out their puppets and the Muppets <laughs> and uh, put on a little act there. And so I actually am posing with the real Fozzie Bear. See, I'm going to have to have you back sometime just to talk about Frank and Jim. Well, I wish I uh, spent a lot more time with them, but my director, who worked with them constantly, uh, mostly with Jim, I would fly out and and get the lowdown on what Jim wanted and all that, and he'd relay it to us. And he just tells me that Jim was the closest thing to Christ that he ever met. <laughs> and I said, I hope so. But I, I did get to meet both of them. You can find him on Facebook, and you can find me and many other great podcasts 
over at electronicmediacollective.com or on Twitter at the handle Moose Media Inc. Your home for all your Moose Media needs. Greg, I want to thank you for coming and chatting with me today. It has been a blast. Mom, I, I hope uh, we had everybody stay with us through this whole thing to, because I never knew where it was going to go. I'm just busy talking to whatever you bring up. Well, that's the fun of it. You know, you you start the conversation and you you know there's going to be a beginning and and don't know what the middle is going to be like. Well, uh, the thing with what I did for Muppet Babies is always uh, follow me around now uh, as a a key phrase, which is make your dreams come true. And that's what I hope uh, people will do. They can see me on Facebook. It's Greg Berg, B-E-R-G. Uh, but if you want to write and just say hi or had a question about the business that I do, I can tell you what I know and uh, can't tell you what I don't know. Well, folks, there's a lot of good podcasts out there. And if you didn't hear it here, pretty good odds. It's just a little bull spit. So until next time, I'll see you then. Bye. Thank you. ooh That sure was some bull spit. But I sure had fun. Junior, you just failed. Be sure to tune in next time. This is Baby Fozzie, and I'm talking to Jesse, because I heard he was a very funny guy. Isn't that right? (laughs) Wrong answer.